Oh, man. All righty. So today is the last um, week of our Jesus in All Scripture, and next week we're going to start an Advent series. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've enjoyed this Jesus in All Scripture. Um, before we get into today's uh, sermon, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at Gospel Community Church. Our vision is to live authentic lives, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and inviting Castle Country to belong to, expand the way. How do we do this? Through the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. And we sum this up in the three little words you guys all know. Know, grow, go. Know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and go share the hope found in Jesus. Um, before uh, I get started, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you, God, that we have a place to gather and worship you, God. I thank you for everybody that's here, God. And as Chris said, as, as Thanksgiving's coming up, there's a lot that we have on our mind to be thankful for, God. And we just thank you for your good grace and who you are, God. And we say these things in Jesus' name. So, one of the main reasons that I really wanted to do Christ in all of Scripture, like I really tried to pinpoint that this week as I was praying and studying the passage, and I thought, this has been on my heart for a while. Why, why did I feel like it was necessary to share this with you guys? And it was something that I wrestled with throughout the week, and I actually sent uh, Chris and Tony some text throughout the week and just really prayed and pondered on this first, uh, this Romans 5, 12 through 21. And what was the main reason why I felt like, like this was something that we needed to pray or, or share in? And I just kept coming back to the, like, the main thing is the main thing, that God the Son, Jesus, is the most important person in all of time, in all the universe. Not more important than God the Father or God the Spirit, but with them. He's more important than any other human being. And that's what I wanted us to all see. That's what I wanted you guys to see for yourself, that when we see Christ in all of Scripture, that when we read God's Word, I left my Bible in my backpack again. <laughs> when we read uh, God's Word, that uh, we would pursue Him in, in, in it. As we read through the Old Testament and hear all the stories, that we would read the Bible seeing how it all points to Jesus and how it all points to the gospel message, the message of hope. That He designed it and wrote it that way so that we'd want a relationship with Him. The Word, God's Word, is way more than a set of guidelines or roadmap to life. It's way more than a set of do's and don'ts or do nots. But we get to know Him through His Word. And He invites us into relationship with Him. And as we conclude this series today, we're going to go back to the beginning and look at Adam how he points us to Jesus, and how and why Jesus is referred to as the last Adam, the second Adam. In 1 Corinthians 15.45, it says this. Do I got it? 
Boom. Is my big head in the way? Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. So like I said, we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to talk about the fall. The first Adam. The first Adam. And we're introduced to him as, you know, God is creating everything in the universe, in the world, and he takes and he brings the dust together, and he breathes into it, and he forms Adam. And he gives him life. And, and, and he sees that Adam is alone and it's not good for him to be alone. He needs a helper. So he puts Adam in a slumber, takes a rib, and he creates Eve. He gives him this woman. Adam cries out, this is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. And we have the first institution of marriage. And they're living in the garden. And they have this somewhat perfect life. Well, at this point, they have the perfect life. But something comes along. The tempter. And from the very beginning, he's a deceiver and a murderer. And he seeks out Eve. And what we know about Satan, he's the most powerful of God's angels. He was majestic, he was beautiful, he was wise, and this was all led to his corruption and being thrown out of heaven. And I've, I've never really pondered this much, because when we think of a serpent, like what do you guys think of? Snake, the, the tongue, the, yeah, the eyes, the pointy head, this creepy looking creature. But there was something about that serpent that captured Eve's attention. Something that was so majestic and so beautiful to her and, and that she thought was so wise that it captured her attention. Like, and, and I think this isn't the kind of serpent that we know or recognize because it was something that just got her attention. And it goes after Eve. And it goes right for Eve. And we see like his wisdom here that he thinks he has. And he questions God's word. Did God say? Goes right for God's word. Denies its teaching. You won't die. He inserts his own gospel. You will be like him. So he goes right for Eve and he begins the deception and what Eve does, and do you guys, have you guys all seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Yes, no, yes, yes, most of you guys have. Okay, there's a scene in there. You guys are like, where are you going with this? Pirates of the Caribbean, Eve, the serpent, what's going on here? But there's a scene in Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's the very beginning of the movie when they're on the, I don't remember what the island's called now. I looked it up so I could tell the story over. But they're on the island, and the pirates come, and they're raiding the island. And we're introduced to Elizabeth, and she's there, and they tell her, you know, they haven't found you yet. Go hide. And so these, the two goofy pirates, you know, the one whose eye always pops out, and they're, you know, later on they're dressed as a couple of ladies in a boat. But those two goofy pirates are chasing her around, and they're going after her, and they're throwing the swords at her and, and doing everything they can to catch her. And she gets into a room, and she goes in a closet. And, like, this is the most memorable scene to me. But she's hiding in there, and they're scurrying around, and then all of a sudden the eye pops in, and you hear, 
Hello, Poppet. And the doors come bursting open. Do you guys remember what she cried out? Parley. 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 The code of the brethren. And she goes in to explain what parley is. And so I had to look up what a parley is because that's, in a sense, what Eve decided to do here. It's almost like she cried parley. A parley is a conference with the enemy to discuss points of dispute. Eve parlays with the serpent. And she begins to add to the word of God. She misquotes the word of God. And she took the bait of what that liar and that murderer said. She was deceived. Adam so willingly took part. And that day, both lost their innocence. They they both, like sin was introduced. They were shame conscious. They tried to cover their own guilt and nakedness by their own human efforts, thus marring humanity. Now, when I, when I sat and thought about this, knowing what kind of God we have, his character, was God surprised? Knowing that God has a purpose and a plan, was he surprised by the fall? Knowing that God is omniscient, all-knowing, that he knows everything in the whole universe, that he knows was he surprised? Knowing that God is omnipotent, omnipotent, am I getting tongue-tied, all-powerful, was he surprised when Adam fell and sin and death entered in? God could have stopped it, right? There must have been a reason why he didn't. And knowing the character of God, knowing all these things that we just talked about, that he has a purpose and a plan, do you think God just whipped up this plan when Adam fell? Like I think about in my own life when something goes awry and and I get all worked up and and something doesn't go my way, like I immediately go into like fix-it mode, like I'm going to fix this, I got to do this, I'm going to take care of this. I go right into fix-it mode, Um, ask my wife, she'll tell you it drives her nuts. Sometimes she just needs to vent, and I'm like, we got to fix this. God didn't just whip up this plan when things didn't didn't go uh, his way. And I got a quote from John Piper here that that I, I feel like summed it up pretty good. It says, therefore, Adam's sin and the fall of the human race with him into sin and misery did not take God off guard and is part of his overarching plan to display the fullness of the glory of Jesus Christ put Jesus on display. Chris, if you'll pull up verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So was like, yeah, right there. <laughs> So as I was reading this and studying it, and I, 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 I got hung up right away on a word. And it was therefore. 
Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? You like that? What is the therefore, therefore? What's the context of Paul explaining how sin came into the world? If you read in the context of the book of Romans, Paul just gets done explaining that Christ died for us while we were still sinners, that we have now received reconciliation. But why is reconciliation necessary? What did I do? What did I do to separate me from God? Why do I need a Savior? You guys ever heard this? I'm a pretty decent person. I do charity work. I give to the homeless. I feed the poor. The list could go on and on and on. And I think of Paul here. Before he became Paul and he was Saul, he's like, hey, I, what do I need to say? Like, I, the Messiah's coming. I'll take care of this Jesus problem. I'll kill the ones that claim Jesus rose from the dead. I'll single-handedly take care of these people that call themselves the way. Paul persecuted the church. Me? I mocked the church. I, I thought for a while that God didn't exist. I remember being uh, infinitely wise at like 18, 19, 20 years old, thinking that there was a perfectly good ex scientific explanation for everything. Why did I need a savior? I had nothing to live for. Not that in that time of my life that I was depressed, but there was no purpose. No hope. My hope was in myself. I had no self-worth. And I found my worth in being the class clown. The funny guy. The guy at the center of the the, the the guy, the attention seeker. Being the guy at the party that, that wanted everyone to gather around him and tell the funny jokes and, and just wanting everybody to laugh at me and think I'm just so funny and cool. I wanted people to hang and see if they could drink with me. I wanted people to see if they could smoke as much weed as I could. I found my self-worth in what girls thought of me. Thankfully, Jess didn't think I was so cool. I did pursue her, but with ill intentions. But hey, I do good deeds. God will see you when I get there. He'll sort it out. If he exists. Marred by sin. Verse 13 and 14 says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come, marked by sin. We're marked by sin. Through Adam. The ground was cursed for the fallen man's sake. There was no leisure in this fallen condition. Life was now conditioned by inescapable sorrow. The light occupation in Eden was now changed to heavy labor. 
physical death was brought through one man's transgression. You guys are quiet today. <laughs> Making me nervous. My hands are getting sweaty. But in this verse 14, there's a glimmer of hope. You got 14 up there? Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. A type of the one who was to come. What are you even talking about? A glimmer of hope. And the tide kind of, it starts to change here as we read on. But the free gift is not like the trespass. Trespass. For if many die through one man's trans- trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. His gift enters in here. Now we start to see the, the comparison and contrast from the one man's trespass to the one man's act that Jesus did. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Now we see that there's condemnation and there's justification that are entered in. The one man brought condemnation, the other brings justification. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of the righteous reign and life through the one man, Jesus Christ. One man's trespass, one man's act of obedience. Here's another therefore. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. There's a pattern here if you guys haven't picked up on it. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's... Oh, man, I think I got tongue-tied there. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So one man's trespass, one man's disobedience, one man marred us all. And we all became marked by sin. But there's one man whose obedience, whose act, he gives the free gift of righteousness, he gives the free gift of life, the free gift of grace, the second Adam, Jesus. So let's, uh, I, got a, I got a picture here, Chris, you might have to kill the lights. I don't know if we're going to be able to see it very well. Did I? Can you guys see that? It's kind of a Thanksgiving meal. There's five differences in this picture. This one's a tough one. <laughs> you guys see any of the difference? I was only able to find. You see one? Which one? Oh, these these ones. Right there. Okay. There's one. Bottom right corner. 
over here. Oh, handle right here. Boop. Right there. Chris spotted one that was, I thought, pretty. You guys see this one? There's a white potato there and an orange potato there. Is that three or four? Right, what? I missed. Yeah. I don't know, I can't tell. On this, on this one? Uh. Dang, you guys are good. All right. Yep. So if you're wondering why I showed you this, it's because I'm hungry. No. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. No. So we, like when we put these things side by side, it's, it, we can see the differences a little more clearly. So I got an got a illustration. Chris was giving me crap about my graphs and numbers and whatever. He's like, dang, bro, you're, you're, you're going all out this week. So we're going to compare the first atom and the second atom. Boom. Condemnation. Go ahead and hit the next one. The source. What was the source of condemnation? First Adam. Go ahead, Chris. Hit the next one. Oh, you know what? I've got it in my notes right here. I don't need it. <laughs> to what extent? Who was that all for? Everybody else. To all the many. What was the cause? Disobedience, trespass. What is the nature of it? What, what, what was to come of it? Judgment deserved. Yeah, you were on the right, you were on the right train track. I don't know if I explained it that well. <laughs> By what measure? How much of it? It abounded. A lot. And the result? Sin and death. So now we have justification in the other column. What's the source? Second Adam. To what extent? Who's it all for? Many in faith. Cause what brought the justification? What? Obedience, Christ's action. What to what nature the undeserved gift? Go ahead. <laughs> What was the measure? It abounds much more. If we go back and look at verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. 
and the result? Righteousness in life. For verse 14 says, Adam was a type of the one who is to come. He was a type of Christ, which means an anointed one. You can leave that up, Chris. That graph. His actions, Adam's actions, would have wide-ranging, life-altering consequences for the whole world. Just as Jesus' life and death would. The gracious results of justification are brought to a climax in contrast to who was a sinner in condemnation and what I've become in justification, a saint. This prepares the way for sanctification. Which will be, it, it, That's a sermon for another day. But we can either live here in the first Adam and this is what's to come. Does that look like fun? Anybody? No? Or we can live in this column, the second Adam, in Christ. And it seems... It seems like a, le- a lot better place to ride in God's justification because the work that was done here on the cross, we get that. We get the righteousness in life. In the first column, we ride condemned and fallen and in sin. In the second, Adam, in Jesus, we ride in the second column and he is the head of his new creation. This new position in Jesus, in Christ, in this second column, in justification, righteousness, and life is grounds for a holy life. In the second Adam. And that's, I, I didn't, as we were doing this sermon series, I didn't plan on ending it with the second Adam, the last Adam. And it just, kind of developed that way. And I thought it was a good ending to seeing Christ in all Scripture. Because like from the beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus. And we have, we have the opportunity, we're invited in to live in this column here, in the second Adam in Christ. And if you're not there, I invite you to, to join in. Join the party. Join the fun. Let's, let's go there together. Let's, let's ride this journey together. This new position in Jesus. It's a good one. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you, God, that you didn't stop at the first Adam that you had a plan, that you had a way, and his name was Jesus. I thank you, God, that we can have life in him. And it's in him and him alone, God. I pray today, God, as we go and we have family out this weekend and and bringing people into our homes or going into other families' homes, and whatever it is we do during this This holiday week, it can sometimes seem hectic and crazy, God, but I pray that your goodness and glory would be put on display through each and every one here, God. The people that are in Christ, that they would 
go out sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, and letting people know that they don't have to live in Adam. They don't have to live condemned. They don't have to live in that old lifestyle of not having anything to live for, God, like I was. But we can live in Christ. I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.